actions and non-actions of the ruling African National Congress are being hotly debated at the start of this election year. We speak to advocate Paul Hoffman of Accountability Now about a couple of these issues. Welcome, Paul. Good afternoon, Chris, and good afternoon to the Biz News tribe as well. May we start with South Africa taking Israel to the International Court of Justice. Some say the ICG litigation is a principled effort to prevent alleged genocide. Others say it is an ideologically based ploy to isolate Israel and bring down constitutionalism under the rule of law sponsored by the theocracy in Iran. Who is right, Paul? I wish I could answer that question, but I'm afraid I can't. What I can tell you is that South Africa itself is a constitutional democracy under the rule of law, to which the ANC tends to pay lip service when it suits them. The state of South Africa is obliged under the Constitution to respect, protect, promote, and fulfill all of the human rights in our Bill of Rights, and those include the right to life, the right to dignity, and freedom from cruel and unusual punishment, which um, I think we may quite uh, comfortably regard as what is happening in Gaza at the moment. So when we, the people of South Africa, made our new constitution in 1994, we put the duty of protecting human rights on the South African state, and we enjoined our government to let South Africa take its rightful place among the family of, of nations of the free world. Now, whether what is happening in the ICJ, and remember, the not only the jury is out on this, but also the court itself is sitting and pondering the arguments that were put up on Thursday and Friday last week on behalf of South Africa in favor of a finding of genocidal intent and in favor of some interim relief on the basis that they have a plausible case of genocide. The answer that came from the, uh, the Israelis was that jurisdiction of the court has not been established because there is not a proper dispute between South Africa and Israel about the matter, and that in any event, there is no genocidal intent on the part of the Israelis because they are very careful to warn the public of Gaza when bombing raids are going to occur, to suggest escape routes to them, to provide humanitarian aid, and also to set up um, field hospitals to deal with the fallout of the fierce fighting between Hamas uh, troops, Hamas uh, personnel, and the troops of, of, of Israel. So uh, let, let's not try and anticipate what the International Court of Justice is going to do with this uh, rather hotly contested dispute, if you like, hotly contested issue about the way that Israel has reacted to the um, really terrible things that happened 
two Israeli citizens, including children, old ladies, on the 7th of October last year, when Hamas decided to go on the offensive against um, Israel. Now, the role of South Africa in this is, is viewed by some observers with a great deal of skepticism, uh, either as the um, emanuensis of the uh, theocrats in Iran or as the useful idiots of the uh, Hamas um, brigades who have uh, stoked up the, uh, the violence and more, really, in, in uh, Israel and in Gaza as well. So if you take a look at the interaction between Iran and South Africa uh, since the Hamas attack on um, Israel, you'll see that we, we have had quite a lot of uh, interaction, not only with Iran, but also with the uh, Hamas leadership who actually visited Pretoria. The Minister of uh, International Relations visited Iran, and out of that has come the application that has been made in the ICJ by South Africa. And whether that is a principal stand on the uh, part of a government that truly takes its human rights obligations seriously and seeks to enforce the anti-genocide international laws, or whether it is a ploy on the part of those who would see Israel uh, destroyed and Hamas and indeed its sponsors in Iran uh, prevailing in Israel uh, in a way that will undermine um, constitutional democracy under the rule of law and advance the agenda of those who align themselves with Hamas and Iran uh, being uh, Islamic theocracy and Hamas's own declared intent is to destroy the state of Israel. So um, it, 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 your, your guess is as good as mine. I'm not a, a, a political analyst. I I can read, I can write, and I can understand what is going on in the the to and fro uh, uh, around the, the the case. I expect that the ICJ will want to make a decision either way soon, and we will be able to talk sense about it when we know what the ICJ has to say about the matter, because what it says does matter, whereas what I say or you say or any other commentator says, doesn't matter. Now, some people are linking the ANC's sudden financial recovery from bust to flush uh, with its ICJ move. Um, what do you make of that, Paul? Yes, now it, it does seem, it has been announced by the ANC that its financial problems are over and that it has been able to pay the banner service provider who hasn't been paid for the last five years since the uh, 2019 election for ANC banners that were prepared. Now, obviously, running elections in a multi-party democracy in which there is fierce con contestation, uh, as is the case in South Africa, is an expensive exercise. 
The ANC likes to make T-shirts, uh, print uh, banners at, at a cost of over 100 million rand. It, it likes to organize concerts, and it really does run its campaign in a highly efficient and expensive way. And that has been going on since uh, 1999, when a lot of um, arms deal bribes were used to uh, pay for the ANC's campaign. Subsequently, the money that came in from Hitachi Power Africa um, was used to subsidize the ANC. Then there was the Gupta money, and now, allegedly, there has been some sponsorship coming from Iran to get South Africa out of, or South Africa, to get the ANC out of the hole that it founded, the financial hole that it found itself in when it was sued, default judgment was taken against it um, in, in the case of, sorry, I don't think it was a default judgment, a judgment was taken against it in the uh, the Banner case. So um, these days it's necessary to declare the um, donations that are made to political parties. So time will tell whether the uh, solution, the admitted solution to the ANC's financial problems is attributable to a money flow from those in the theocratic uh, orbit of Iran and Hamas, or whether there is some other fairy godfather who has provided the funding that the ANC was so short of that it was unable until recently to pay its staff at Latuli House. Now, what about the cost of the, the application? Do we know who paid for it? And, and if we had to pay for it ourselves, what would it have cost? I don't know who's paying for it. Um, uh, I, in, in legal theory, because South Africa is the applicant in the case, the government of South Africa will pay for it, which will mean that you and I as taxpayers in South Africa are subsidizing. It's not as though the ANC is the applicant in the matter. The South African government, which can rightly um, point to its duty to uh, uphold human rights and to it, the exhortation in the preamble of the Constitution that we should take our rightful place in the family of nations. Now, whether doing what has been done is an exercise in um, pumping up the uh, theocratic ideology uh, that underlies Hamas and Iran's stance on uh, Israel, or whether it is a, a genuine human rights anti-genocide uh, campaign on the part of the South African government. We will learn when the ICJ gives its judgments in the matter, but at the moment, the jury is out and what should I say, the ICJ is, is considering, and um, the South African taxpayer is the uh, primary uh, debtor when it comes to paying the legal team and those who accompanied it, uh, their, their fees and their disbursements in relation to getting to the ICJ and uh, making the submissions that were made. Any estimate as to what that might have cost us? 
your guess is as good as mine once again. It, 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 it probably runs into many millions of rands. Okay, Paul, let's move on to how the ANC wants to deal with corruption by an independent directorate against corruption housed in the National Prosecuting Authority. Is the proposed IDAC constitutional in your view? No, I, I've seen the, uh, the minister's uh, media uh, release that accompanied the IDAC bill when it was uh, produced last year. And he suggests in that release that it is constitutionally compliant in the sense that it uh, meets the criteria that were laid down in binding fashion in the Glenister litigation. We all know the STIRS acronym. Uh, in order to be constitutionally compliant, our anti-corruption machinery needs to consist of specialists who are trained in anti-corruption work, who operate independently of the executive branch of government, who are resourced in guaranteed fashion adequately to do the work that they uh, are required to do, and are secure in their tenure of office. Now, IDAC, the, the, the plan being hatched by uh, the cabinet as what the deputy minister of justice has called a stopgap measure. Why a stopgap measure um, when the, the rules were laid down in 2011 uh, is, is hard to, to, to work out. Uh, he suggests that it will enable the uh, National Prosecuting Authority to recruit trained specialists. Well, the scorpions got seriously burnt when they were disbanded by the same ANC. And I will be very surprised to see any of the former scorpions coming back into IDAC um, on, on, a, on a hope and a prayer that IDAC will not su suffer the same fate as the scorpion suffered, namely uh, summary closure when it starts doing its job against politicians well. So I don't think a stopgap measure is called for in law. I understand that the politics of the situation might lead some to say that let, let's not be too uh, principled about this. Let's be pragmatic and see whether IDAC is any better than the, the ID, which is there at the moment and simply cannot get anybody to come and work for it because it is a very temporary body. IDAC is not a permanent body. IDAC will be subject to closure by a simple majority in Parliament, and that, to my way of thinking, uh, and to the way of thinking of many others in the legal fraternity, is just not good enough. It takes us back to where we were before the Scorpions were disbanded, and we don't want to be there. We want to be on a stirs compliant footing so that the anti-corruption machinery can work properly. Now, the independence criterion is really the most important one. You need to be structurally and operationally independent of uh, interference, impedance, influence from the executive branch of government. And that simply does not apply to the NPA or to IDAC. 
The NPA is enjoined in the Constitution to act without fear, favor, or prejudice. But the word independent does not appear anywhere in relation to uh, the NPA. And we know from bitter experience that no leader of the NPA has ever survived his or her term of office as the leader of the uh, supposedly independent um, anti-corruption prosecuting authority in South Africa. And this is because the NPA is run as a program of the Department of Justice. That is hardly independent. The NPA is subject to the final responsibility of the Minister of Justice. While that is going on, the NPA is answerable to the Minister, and that is exactly what the court did not want when it laid down the Sturz criteria. Then there is the small matter of the Director General of the Department of Justice being the accounting officer of the NPA. <laughs> that means that every time you want a pencil and a pile of paper, you have to get the accounting officer to okay it. When you're looking for proper anti-corruption machinery for your new IDAC, you also need to get the Director General to sign off on it. And the Director General is obviously answerable to the minister, and that means that the... Uh, unfortunate experiences of the past are likely to continue. Remember, Bulalani and Kuka resigned because he, he was accused of being an apartheid-era spy. Uh, wasn't proven, but he felt that he had been so tainted by this that he, he couldn't carry on with the job he'd been given. Vusi Piccoli, because he went after Jackie Salebi, the crooked um, uh, chief of police, and because he uh, was willing to prosecute Jacob Zuma, was also shown the door by uh, the politicians. Um, his replacement, Menzi Similani, was, was, was fired by the court because it said that no legitimate purpose of government could be served by putting a mendacious person in charge of the prosecuting authority. We all know about Sean the Sheep, and we've watched uh, Shamila Patoy uh, doing her best to uh, make bricks without straw because she is kept on such a tight rein by the executive branch of government and by the nature of the uh, operations and structures that are in place in the National Prosecuting Authority. So no, in spite of the minister coming round to saying that IDAC will be STIRS compliant. There are, there are many reasons why it is not STIRS compliant and that it will not withstand proper scrutiny by the Constitutional Court as to whether or not proper compliance with the STIRS criteria um, has been effected by changing the ID into IDAC. What really needs to happen is that a suitably independent body needs to be established outside of the NPA. And that um, is, is not what the ANC wants to do. And the ANC 
uh, commands at the moment enough seats in the uh, um, National Assembly to prevent that reform from happening, uh, despite the willingness of the uh, Democratic Alliance and the IFP, which are the second and fourth biggest. Uh, in fact, the the the, um, the EFF is also on board for a a Chapter Nine institution to do the work of uh, combating serious corruption in South Africa. So um, all of the opposition parties combined cannot uh, command a sufficient majority in the current parliament to make the necessary reform actually happen. So are you saying that the much, much hoped for anti-corruption commission as proposed by the Democratic Alliance um, may never see the light of day? No, I think that a, a lot is going to turn on whether uh, the ANC persists with the IDAC plan. If you listen carefully to the president when he made the 8th of January speech on Saturday last week, you, you, you will have heard him speaking in very vague terms about the need for reform of the Criminal Justice Administration so that crime and corruption can be dealt with properly. We know that the uh, criminal code is is under review, and that, uh, that that is something that will happen uh, after this parliament has completed its term. And we know that uh, the IDAC uh, bill is vulnerable to being shot down if it becomes law uh, in uh, litigation before the court. In fact, there is a great vulnerability. Uh, because the government has never fully implemented the criteria laid down by the court. The court does not say what needs to happen, what structure needs to be put in place. The court simply identifies the criteria that must be complied with so that South Africa is in a position to comply with its human rights obligations and corruption has been identified as an enemy of human rights because the money that is meant to go to poverty alleviation actually goes to uh, the, the, the pockets of the looters. And a lot of the uh, corruption in South Africa has to do with channeling public money away from the, um, the, the, the deserving poor and into the pockets of the looters, the kleptocrats, uh, the tenderpreneurs, and their fellow travelers. So the, uh, while it is commendable that the uh, government has realized that STIRS compliance is what is required, it is unfortunate that IDAC simply does not cut the mustard. It is not good enough uh, to comply with the criteria of independence, um, adequate resourcing, and secure tenure of office. And that being so, the, uh, the, the possibility exists that some horse trading between IDAC and the DA private members' bills aimed at uh, a Chapter 9 institution will take place during the dying days 
of the uh, current parliament and that a, a via media or some sort of deal can be done so that IDAC doesn't happen and a uh, an independent body to deal with corruption does see the light of day. The, the alternative is to litigate the issues and it's, it's open to any public interest litigant today to say, excuse me, judges, you told government what the criteria are. The criteria are still not in place. We've had state capture. We've had the Zondo report. We've had the party report. We've had the Nugent report. We've even had money back from SAP, can you believe it? And we still do not have adequate anti-corruption machinery in South Africa. We are in breach of our international obligations under UNCAC, which is the United Nations Convention Against Corruption, because that requires South Africa to put in place adequately independent anti-corruption machinery. And we are in breach of our human rights obligations as sketched in the Glenister uh, joint judgment of 17th March 2011. It's time to get real about corruption before corruption brings South Africa to its knees. So South Africa is going after a country for contravening international law and human rights obligations while itself, by what you have just described is also contravening international law and human rights no. obligations. Is that, does I understand you yes, correctly? Uh, that, that is a correct statement. And it, it is a, a, a difficulty that the ANC uh, acknowledges. Service delivery has not taken place as it should have taken place in South Africa. And the result of that is that most of the children in South Africa are not adequately educated and are not adequately fed. Some of them die of starvation. Others of, of the children of South Africa grow up stunted, which means that they will not be able to, to live a full and dignified life because of the brain damage that is done by malnutrition. And the, uh, the deaths of small children and the family suicides that we read about in the Eastern Cape are, are horrific, as, as horrific as what is going on in, uh, in Gaza as a result of intentional uh, activity, simply because the, uh, the government led by the ANC is not sufficiently competent, too negligent to actually attend to the issues on the ground, which involve water in the taps, electricity in the switches, and food on the table, health care for all. Those things are, are all guaranteed human rights in South Africa, and they are not happening uh, at, uh, on a grand scale in South Africa. So, yes, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, but um, South Africa is not guilty of it. Nobody's suggesting that a genocide is going on in South Africa, and the argument about whether there is a genocide in Gaza at the moment is one in which we all eagerly await the findings of the International Criminal Court, uh, International Court of Justice, the ICJ. Thank you. That was Paul Hoffman of Accountability Now speaking to Biz News. I'm Christine. Thank you, Paul. 